Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Good. And we're going to keep at it. Yes. We have a job. And if we didn't have this job, what would we do? (laughs) (laughs) Because... uh, We'd have to join the army. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. We'll join the army. Yeah. You never know. Well, we want to talk a little bit about the army. Yeah. And uh, you know, this fellow that's uh, our our president. Uh, how did he get there? Uh, well, I won't say. Uh, <laughs> we'll well, do you think it was honest election <laughs> and all that oh, sort of thing? So, absolutely. So enough to bow. No question. Did did get making him prison president? You know, he's assuming a lot of power, but is that new? No, I don't think it's new, tell you what. I think they've been assuming power for a long, long time, especially since 1932. It's been aggressive and going to war and all these things. That's the problem. There's too much power in the executive branch of government. But now this thing is, is uh, this collectivist approach to stopping COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a worldwide phenomenon, artificially created, of course, but everybody's acting together and they work together and, and they've decided that social distancing and masks are much more valuable than maybe taking some antibiotics and medications that have been proven and have saved a lot of lives. They make that illegal. But now they're dealing with the military, and uh, Biden says, well, you have to have discipline in the military. Um, I guess you can't refute that. There probably should be, but shouldn't it be within limits? It doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice your family or your right hand or something in order to be there. There's, there's, there's a limit. And one, one limit that I would like to suggest is that uh, the basic concept of personal liberty making decisions for your own personal self ought to be protected rather than used as a tool and a weapon but here we find out that everybody has to have the vaccine regardless of their condition and and whether or not they have immunity and uh, they they have to do this or they get discharged Oh, discharge. Well, they can live with that. Maybe they'll give them a bonus or something. No, it's a dishonorable discharge, a black mark on your record. And, you know, the interesting thing is that's that's bad for everybody. The concept is bad. It's bad for the people who have to go ahead and enforce this. It's bad for the family and bad for the victim. But it also involves seals. The excuse me, a Navy seal is considered to be in the best of health oh, yeah. and uh, and has you know you, you know is very physically fit and uh, it, it'll it inclu- it'll include a Navy SEAL you know and they spend a lot of money training a, a SEAL and yeah. that's one thing the cost of it and they're going to kick him out if he doesn't want to get get a vaccination and uh, you you know the 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 big catch here the how how ridiculous this is not only is it that the personal violation of his liberty maybe to decide what should go into his body it it means that uh, if this navy seal happens to just be in good health and decided well you know i don't think i need it i don't want to take it and that's my prerogative and if you kick me out fine but this is a dishonorable yeah. discharge and what what they're saying now is and what biden says is even if they have immunity, even yeah. if they have it, and they, they could prove it, which they have no interest in proving whether you have natural immunity. They says, none of the circumstances, we don't even want to know that. 
if they don't obey, it's the principle of obedience, you know, and in this case, it's obedience for patriotic reasons to be a military person, and, but it's, it's obedience to the state. For them, if we can kick out a Navy SEAL that has immunity, we can kick out anybody. And besides, we've had them talking for them. Besides, it's been achieved that this is a world event and, the, and the, the corporations have rolled over, the foreign governments have rolled over. And so it's very important that nobody gets away with making their own decision. So this is the reason that I was anxious to talk about this today. Yeah, it's a very important issue. And, you know, my hope at least is that, you know, conservatives have unfortunately been in love with the military as such, way too much in love that they excuse a lot of really bad policies. I'm talking about the leadership. Hopefully when they look at this and they realize the people running the show are not pro-America in any stretch of the, uh, of the, of the term. So the administration is furious. They, too many people in the military said they don't want it. They don't want to take the vax. You know, we'll just take a discharge, as you said. They said, okay, well, forget that. We want a dishonorable discharge. And here's what the administration said. Uh, and they said this about an amendment that was put in by Mark Green of Tennessee. He's a Republican. But the amendment he put in, even though we would call it very weak, nevertheless got the backing of all Democrats and all Republicans on the House Armed <laughs> Services Committee. So maybe that's why he did something that they could all agree on. They all agreed that any discharge but honorable, uh, they should not have any discharge but an honorable if they are kicked out yeah. you know, for refusing it. No, the administration said, no way. They said anything but a dishonorable discharge would detract from readiness and limit a commander's options for enforcing good order and discipline. And I was thinking, well, of course, when General Milley goes outside the chain of command and calls up the Chinese and says, hey, I'll tip you off if we decide to bomb you, that's, that's okay, that's, that's totally good order and discipline. But um, the question is, why would they refuse? And you say, one of the reasons they might refuse is because they've had it. They know that it confers natural immunity. The other one, and if this is true, we don't know because the virus is not verified. We'll be the first to say it. But the CDC's adverse reaction database shows that people who died from the vaccine make it the most deadly vaccine in history. Uh, you know, just the pure numbers, if it's true. So they may look at this and say, hey, I'm in the best shape of 99% of all Americans. In my age bracket, people do not get sick and die, with very few exceptions. Therefore, why would I risk something that we see where the numbers are pretty scary, and we know now, even from the officials, it doesn't confer immunity for more than even just a couple of weeks, we now know. So why would I get it? But the answer is, if you don't, you get dishonorably discharged. It's interesting that uh, they have to do this and take this risk even though they don't want to. What, wonder what kind of risk a, a Navy SEAL goes through training. Yeah, yeah. I'll bet you it is really rigorous. I bet it involves dangers and, and, they, and they know about that and they, and they survive by caution and all and, and they just feel like they can do this. But you know, there is the vote today. Yes, uh, on, on the uh, NDA. NDA, yeah. And, 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 and they're going to bring that, uh, the, the amendment, I'm sure, I don't know the rules of the bill, but they'll probably have a vote on that. Yeah. On that amendment. If it's bipartisan, they should, I would think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that'll be another news story if they just, if they just capitulate yeah. and, and, uh, and drop it. Because, you know, the Democrats could drop that. 
since they have the majority and just push it aside and not have any vote. Yeah, they could it's, easily. And sometimes they do things like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, especially if they let it go through by majority. They say, we'll worry about it tomorrow. Uh, we can get rid of this. And then there's the conference and they all have a all have a plan to neutralize the sentiment and your point is well taken the sentiment is very strong yeah. but of course both you and i reacted one way uh there there has to be other other things that they could do i mean this this is okay but uh, this really isn't uh, touching the real issue yeah and let's put up that first clip this is just a headline and we, and we got a tip uh hat tip to paul joseph watson for putting this out or no steve watson i'm sorry on summit news for putting this out but, so I wanted to look into Dr. Paul because I'm not an expert on, on the finer details of military uh, discipline. So I wanted to look in, what does it mean to have a dishonorable discharge? In this next clip, if we can put it up, this is from a website that talks about how it can ruin your life. <coughs> it said, the manual for courts martial has a detailed breakdown of what can earn you the dreaded dishonorable discharge. So in normal times, this is the kind of thing you'd have to do to get the dishonorable discharge, quote, a dishonorable discharge should be reserved for those who should be separated under conditions of dishonor after having been convicted of offenses usually recognized in civilian jurisdictions as felonies or of offenses of a military nature requiring severe punishment. Yeah. Major felonies. You know, the way you point, it out, point this out, it's very dramatic and should get a lot of attention. But the tragedy is so much of what we have done over the decades, you know, is is just as vicious in attacking what our rules, even outside the military, yes. how they just cast aside, uh, you know, the separation of powers and, and what uh, the executive branch can do, what, what the judicial branch can do. So uh, the, the total uh, refusal to follow the rules and, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of shortcomings in the Constitution, but, the, but this is total destruction of that. That principle and why have a rule up there I would think if you're looking for credibility and uh, and, and want to teach the military a lesson the lesson ought to be this yeah, yeah. you know why are they doing this because they're violating their own rules uh, which is uh, of course the whole issue of hypocrisy that yeah. we talk about so much they're writing all these rules for everybody else and then then the individuals who wrote the rules don't follow it so I, I don't think the Bidens will have to live under the same enforcement I don't I don't I don't think they're they're going to have to get a dishonorable discharge from their duties that'd be nice <laughs> well the question is what's really behind this and you know the first thing that hit me obviously this is a political purge of the military and of course I turned to a clip that was embedded in this from Tucker Carlson. And thankfully, he was thinking on the same lines. And I wouldn't <laughs> mind showing the first minute of this clip because I think he does a great job in explaining what the heck is going on with this dishonorable discharge purges of the military. That's uh, that Twitter clip that we have. There we go. That first, uh, first minute of that. So military suicide is an actual crisis that the Pentagon might want to address. Lloyd Austin might want to look into that. But no, that would get the Democratic Party nothing. The point of mandatory vaccination is to identify the sincere Christians in the ranks, the free thinkers, the men with high testosterone levels, and anyone else who does not love Joe Biden and make them leave immediately. It's a takeover of the U.S. military. Here's how they're doing it. This show has just obtained a PowerPoint that the Army is using to justify mandatory vaccines to the troops. This is an actual slide from it on your screen. You will notice there the sympathetic portrayal of Satanism. How many children were sacrificed to Satan because of the vaccine? The slide reads, apparently sarcastically. 
Then the presentation proceeds to list the so-called tenets of Satanism, which are taken straight from the Temple of Satanism website. So here you have the United States Army doing PR for Satanism. Satanism. There's a good. There's a good reason. That's what the military gave. Satanism is the reason. Right. right. Uh, you know, I, this time I think they're actually telling the truth. So the real target was the Christians. Yeah. Uh, what you're saying, and you know, uh, that was the case on, on lockdowns. It, it, that wasn't the only talker, yeah. target on lockdown, but it certainly was involved. I mean, I wonder what percentage of the people that went to Christian churches or any churches or any religious group uh, in that past year and a half didn't have to change their habits and whether or not they went back to their original habits. Yeah. But, but that's probably a different story. But the, the similarity, of course, is uh, it isn't just this one item. You know, uh, there's been this attack that people hit, hint about, but there's never this evidence. I think he's providing the evidence uh, uh, of, of uh, you, you know, the real reason be yeah. something behind this. Well, we don't often uh, push legislation because we can't, but here's a good solution because you always can turn to our good friend Thomas Massey for a sensible solution. In fact, I read this bill and I was, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised, but I was pleased at how much it looked like the kinds of bills that you used to introduce. Let's put this next clip up. H.R. 3860. It's very simple. I don't have the text here, but you can read it to prohibit any requirement that a member of the armed forces receive a vaccination against COVID-19. Boom, you just can't force them to do it. Good job, Massey. That's the answer. <laughs> you know, and the other thing is the statistics now are starting to prove that, you know, the great danger has been uh, quite overblown. They're coming around and admitting it and numbers have been fudged, but we've talked about that numerous times. So therefore the enemy is uh, in many ways, uh, you know, uh, built up and uh, to a degree of just being fake uh, and they're achieving this. So once again, it's the people, why do people roll over and accept this? But they don't have a strong, firm conviction that, uh, you know, what it's like to live in a free society and what is the purpose of government and what, what should the role of government be. And, uh, and then this other thing you've already mentioned is this, uh, uh, this whole thing about patriotism. The one thing you don't attack is the military, yeah. you know, because you have to be thanked for your services and thanked for saving our Constitution, thanks for saving our liberty, and look at what's happening. But then it becomes more broad than just... Uh, uh, Biden, you know, uh, Biden, it, it has to be other people to carry out these orders and roll over and yeah. say, oh, no big deal. But the, the people already have spoken. If they had, if they had this amendment just to tone this thing down and that you can't use this method, yeah. uh, you, you would think that should be, the, I'm always looking for the encouraging thing. <laughs> yes. So the people spoke with that vote. And so we'll have to wait because what they're doing this very minute is probably up for grabs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's move on to the next topic, and it is related, but it's, it's something out of the UK, but I would guess this is true in spades for the US. If we can put up that next clip. Uh, this is a study by the University College London, uh, and it found that 10,000 unnecessary cancer death linked to COVID-19 pandemic and lockdown in the UK. And if you just do the next one, here's a, here's a, here's a screenshot of the actual study University College London study, British public attitudes toward cancer research and treatments in 2021. And you'll see on the right, that, that is the operative paragraph uh, where it talks about uh, 40,000 UK citizens, <coughs> 
maybe living with cancers that would have otherwise been diagnosed. It can be conservatively estimated that an order of 10,000 individuals will die of cancer significantly earlier than would have otherwise been the case because of delays in diagnosis and treatment. You know, and this is just the cancer that yeah. they're talking about, which is identifiable, but it's more pervasive than that. It's, it's so many medical things and so much uh, of this substitute that you, uh, that you talk to your doctor over the phone and he's gonna make these interpretations. That, that, that just turns me off as far as practicing medicine goes, you know. But uh, it, you know, they, one thing that this whole thing on lockdown and all has, has caused is, uh, you, you know, the hospitals to be overrun. That is, no beds left. But wait a minute, they don't have more admissions sometimes, yeah. you know, but, but the beds are full and emergency rooms are full. And now there's reports coming out, uh, even though you won't see them easily because they'd have to leave uh, listed as a complication of the vaccine. And that's where the numbers are very, very high. And, and, and that's gonna be unknown for a long time. When, when will we feel confident that we know the actual figures? And uh, that's, a, that's a thing that uh, is a concern. So this 10,000, this is just in the, in the UK. Yeah, yeah, just the UK. That is huge. Uh, I don't want to believe it, <laughs> yeah. but I might have to. Uh, if, so, I mean, but, you, but the whole thing is, is it's, it's, if this is true, which assume it is, it's, it's a lot worse than that because some things are very, very much delayed. And if you extrapolate that to the U.S. case, you'd, you'd have to, what, double it or triple it? Only, like you say, you make a great point, only cancer. What about heart disease? What about other very serious illnesses that people have that were, they were not able to get treated? When you start looking instead of what and start seeing how many people died because they tried to save some people from dying not successfully, uh, then, then really when all the smoke clears, you're gonna see something pretty ugly. And you could add in suicide in suicide, children. Yeah. Oh, the disease doesn't really hit the kids. Yeah. They just commit suicide if they get all tied up about uh, this silliness and can't understand, you know, what is going on. Uh, at least I think it's uh, moving in the right direction because we get a report every once in a while and say, hey, these people finally said enough is enough. So we want to find out. I hope uh, our viewers uh, if they see something that they think we're missing, you know, some yeah. some episode, I'd like them to send us a picture, yeah, you know, yeah. of it. And, and you know, uh, attending these uh, school board meetings, I think is a great idea. Oh, yeah. But, and you know, it usually only takes, you can get, if you send the word around town, if you're tired of this, come to the school board meeting and you can get a group out there. But you have to have somebody that wants to get up front and say, We've had it. Somebody yeah. to somebody has to speak for the people. It's supposed to be the politicians speaking for the people, but it's the politicians that we have to speak to. Yeah. Well, there's that one uh, story I think we did cover of the mayor who went to the school board. Remember that? Yeah. He said, if you keep teaching this stuff to these kids, I'm having you arrested for child pornography. Yeah, there so there are some good mayors, too, and that goes to your argument always that local government can be the best way. Yeah, I, I feel more strongly about that than ever because, you know, big government and uh, centralized government, you have to start with the UN. Yeah. And now I think uh, how, how well organized they are philosophically, 
through the democratic process, they come together and, and they can get people to agree because there's a democratic vote for all yeah. this stuff. And uh, of course, what, what I want to remind people is there is such a condition called the dictatorship of the majority. Yes. And people see a certain factions, political factions, uh, that's what they dwell on. The, you know, we have to protect the minority. Well, Yes, by the majority. When did this happen? Yeah. When when was it permissible to protect a minority by allowing the majority to determine it? That's that's why you're supposed to have some type of a guideline like a constitution. But when you reject the the uh, restraints by a constitution, then you have to go through the dictatorship of the majority, and that is a mess. And uh, that's what we're suffering from right now. Yeah. Well, the next one. Uh, that we want to talk about a little bit, and this is something, <coughs> excuse me, we noticed from Zero Hedge, uh, but it's from the American Conservative magazine, uh, and we don't have a clip of the title, but you can always easily look it up. Do the global managers want the pandemic to end? It's written by a fellow called Brian Jones on September 18th, if you want to look it up. It's a fascinating article. He makes some very good points, but I think the central point he makes that's so important, if we can put up this next clip, uh, he, he quotes another writer uh, who talks about what's happening now with coronavirus. He said, until now, corona policy in every Western country has unfolded more or less according to the same script devised by the World Health Organization at the end of February 2020. The final act was supposed to be the wide-scale eradication of corona after max, mass vaccination. It is now clear that this will never happen. For the first time since March 2020, there is no obvious international consensus on the way forward. Powerful. But I think it's in that article where they make this point about the dramatic change in medical uh, practice. And that is that uh, what, what you do, you use physical things like social distancing and um, wearing masks. And then if there's a drug like uh, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, ban it. Yeah. Ban it. You can't do it. That might help. So then you really have to ask that question. Are they doing this on purpose? I think they are to, to a large degree because, it, you know, it's a profit system and it's a power struggle. And some people uh, are lulled into this uh, for patriotic reasons and they want to not participate in anything that might kill somebody, never realizing that some of the things that we're doing now are killing people. And that's why it's uh, so, so important that people take a take a look at this so i uh i think that uh the the uh, the answers can be found uh but this whole change in attitude of medicine and you know they made a big deal out of joe rogan because he sort of, he sort of went with some old-fashioned principles let the doctor treat them with the medications that they think are best and it to me i looked at that and it was a hodgepodge i thought well there were about five things he did there uh, sounds reasonable, especially since he got better, and others have told us the same thing. Uh, I might not have come to the same conclusion. You know, there was one drug in there that uh, I don't think I'd want to take. But it, it's 
it's the whole thing is it's the choice that we had. If if you and I sat down and we both thought we had to take some medication, you might decide to do something other than what I do. So that is, that is the big thing. But but the attitude now is uh, if you don't want to be canceled in any economic way or canceled by getting thrown out of the military and have a prison record and uh, that that is all uh, pre pretty bad and that that's where we are today. And what we're looking at, because what he's talking about is, I think, really profound. When, when we both had that same reaction, I think, this morning when we read it, we're looking at mass incompetence in, on an historic scale. They put everything in one basket, which is no early treatment, no prevention, no sunlight. In fact, stay inside, stay in the dark, don't talk to people, uh, don't prepare yourself, don't take vitamin D, don't do anything, but sit inside. If you get sick, go to the hospital and die. Otherwise, sit inside and wait because when the vaccine comes, it's all going to be hunky-dory and we're going to eradicate the virus. They had no other plan but that, and that has obviously failed. And it's not us saying it, it's the people themselves who understand that the model doesn't work. And the, uh, the author of the article uh, makes the point that the last remaining consensus is they must use every available, available means possible to assault the idea that there's an early treatment of the virus. Hence, as you said, the issue with Joe Rogan, who, although he was vaccinated, uh, shockingly, he developed COVID, uh, which is happening over and over and over. We know that uh, DeSantis of Florida said 60% of the people, I think 50 to 60% of the people in the hospital now have already been double vaccinated in Florida. So we're seeing it over and over again. But what he did, as you say, is he, he put together a different kind of cocktail. It was ivermectin, azithromycin, a few other things that he put together and he got over it in three days and said, hey, I feel better. And so if this article points out, so what did the FDA do? What did the authorities do? What did the experts do? What did the science say? They didn't say, hey, this looks promising. If we can treat people early, we can keep them out of the hospital. We can keep them alive. No, here's what they did. Let's look at this next clip. Here's what the FDA did just after Rogan got better using ivermectin. They put up a picture of a horse. You're not a horse. You're not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it, which is absurd. Of course, we know that ivermectin, whatever the case, it's used in, uh, in, uh, with COVID, we say that it's a personal choice with you and your doctor. Mm -hmm. We're not praising it. We're not calling for it to be used. But that is just blatantly false because we know that its use among humans as an antiparasitical actually won uh, the Nobel Prize. It's been used on people for decades. It was so blatant they even had to backtrack a little bit on that because bit. it was idiotic. Yeah. So, but you know, in that same article that we're quoting from, uh, coinciding with the attack on Rogan, uh, a new story from Rolling Stone said, which claimed that access to the emergency care for gunshot victims, once again, you know, the unintended concert, gunshot victims at an Oklahoma hospital was threatened due to the number of patients who had been poisoned, uh, yeah, that's pretty good, by overdosing on ivermectin. It was all a lie. Yeah. The doctor who, who put that story out was not even working at the hospital. He was fired or something. It's completely made up out of whole cloth. What a shame. It's terrible. <laughs> well, here's interesting, though, because here's another article that we looked at, that we noticed on Zero Hedge, and this is just a little addendum to this, because the CDC was meeting, trying to, not yet, please, trying to figure out um, what, uh, what to do about this idea of booster shots. And I thought this, uh, and I haven't shown this to you yet, Dr. Paul, but I think you'll agree, it's very compelling. This is one of the members of the, of the panel, CDC panel member. Let's put that up now if we can. Because this gives you the idea of how their narrative has failed. 
everything has failed, that they put everything into this basket. CDC panel member, Sarah Long, a pediatrics professor at Drexel University's College of Medicine, urged her colleagues to differentiate between ensuring the vaccines prevent hospitalizations versus all infection. And listen to this quote, Dr. Paul. Quote, I don't think there's any hope that a vaccine such as the ones we have will prevent infection after the first maybe couple of weeks that you have those extraordinary immediate responses. This is a person on the CDC panel saying, at best, you've got a couple of weeks of, pro of protection with the vaccine. Well, you know, I flip channels, you know, to see what the opposition is saying. And I didn't see any of that on the three majors shocking, at all. I know. <laughs> they don't. They do that. It's sort of like they uh, control uh, the propaganda. They're pretty good at that. They certainly controlled the uh, outrage on on this virus that had to be handled by, uh, you, you know, the uh, unbelievable cooperation in lockdown. And it turns out, obviously, uh, we, I have strong beliefs. Uh, that the lockdown was far worse because I see more often now in, in uh, more moderate uh, publication that uh, th th these these things are you know the um, that they they are uh, reasonable unreasonable in, in even emphasizing this so uh, I I think that hopefully we'll move in the right continue to move in the right direction hopefully now <laughs> we'll have a couple of tidbits to close if we're done okay. I think we've covered all the ground. We can. The first one is a little bit of comic relief in a way, although it's just indicative of the type of person who somehow gets power and somehow holds on to power and continues to hold on to power. Let's look at this next clip if we can. Maxine Waters, she's very upset about what's going on at the border. She says, Maxine Waters on the border patrol defending the border, quote, it's worse than slavery. Who's playing these, who's paying these cowboys? So that seems to kind of downplay slavery a little bit, which seems a little bit worse than what uh, was going on. And the final one, which I haven't done this in a while, Dr. Paul, but this is Texas, right? This next clip, go ahead and put it on. This is Texas with no mask, no vaccine mandate, no mask mandate, no social distancing requirements. Yeah, there are some people that still have their masks on. They're still cowering in fear. But look what's happened to so-called Delta spike. It's disintegrating as it has in every other state, Florida, Alabama, all the states that had that summer wave. It just drops out like it's done here. But, Flo but, but Florida and Texas are important because there were no mitigating uh, circumstances. There were none of these things that they took. And that's, of course, why Biden hates DeSantis and hates Abbott so much. I have one little item, a monster of an item that I don't want to believe. Yeah. So you'll settle me down, won't we you? Look into it next week more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Project Veritas undercover F quote, FDA official advocates. This is come on. <laughs> advocates hunting black people and shooting them with vaccine blow darts. That that had to have been somebody had a nightmare and they woke up with this and they wrote it down. Actually, it's not, Dr. Paul. I watched the video last night, an undercover FDA official, many, many times. They said, what are you going to do about African-Americans being hesitant to take the, uh, the vaccine? He said, go around with blow darts and blow darts in them and force them to take it. He was half joking, but I mean, that kind of mentality in the people that are supposed to be the serious science people. Yeah, they're for taking care of the minorities, yeah, too, you yeah. know. <laughs> blow them with, yeah. I mean, I think they tried giving them stuff like that before once, a place called Tuskegee. Okay. I'm all done, Dr. Paul. All right, very good. And I want to uh, tell our viewers how much we appreciate them 
tuning into our program. And we will continue to fight this battle because we do believe that the answer is is confronting them with truth and to combat these uh, fictions that we keep hearing. And they're, they're, like I just mentioned, sometimes they're so bad you don't want to believe it, but then, uh, then there's evidence that they are that way. So who's to blame for all this? Well, you know, the universities deserve a lot of blame because they promoted uh, cultural Marxism. You, you have the uh, politicians, they want to get reelected and they think doing this type of stuff is going to make them look like they care about people and they're patriot and the people go along with it. There's some people making a lot of money uh, doing this. So there's a lot of reasons why people go with this. But the only thing that can be combat that can combat this is when the people as a group uh, are convinced by their leaders who are talking a different system than what we have today and say enough is enough. We're going to attend the meetings. We're going to take people there. We are going to be able to show our strength by resisting what is happening in a peaceful manner. There's not a whole lot more we can do, but guess what? That's the most powerful message in the world. And, and that is a, is a message of talking about principles of peace and prosperity. And when they need it, they're going to take it. Uh, and sometimes they wait too long, but eventually they do wake up. There was an awakening, you know, uh, over the Soviet communism. And we don't have that, but we still have a lot of problems. And we have uh, Marxism encroaching into our own Congress right now. So it's persistent. But guess what? That's been around for 100 years. 200 years? Well, in our country, a little over 100 years in the progressive era, that's the modern day. But this principle of authoritarianism has been around for thousands of years. It seems to be uh, built in, into, our, uh, uh, into our system. But that argument about what we do about that is the contest that goes on in every society has to do it. But they have to recognize that there is such a thing as truth and we have to seek truth and we have to be willing to speak out for it because if you deny that there can't be an answer and become nihilistic about all this, that is that is doomed to fail. And we've had a lot of that. But uh, I think that uh, that's where I, I look for the hope and try to promote get people to understand what is going on and believe what true liberty is all about and it's a basic principle that can make a difference it can be the thing that if you seek peace and prosperity you'll be able to achieve it i want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the liberty report please come back soon